Welcome to On the Journey Conversations. I'm your host, Sandy Wisdom Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by the WMU Foundation through the Jessica Powell Loftus Endowment for Actines. Actines is a missions discipleship program of Women's Missionary Union for girls grades 7 through 12. My life was forever changed because of Actines. Who I am today is a reflection of servant leaders who poured into me. WMU leaders nurture within me not only a love for missions, but also a passion for living the mission of God each and every day. My guest today is Wendy, who serves with the International Mission Board. Actines had a huge impact on Wendy's life as well. We had a delightful conversation. I hope you will enjoy listening to Wendy's story. Wendy, welcome to the podcast. We're glad that you're here today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I've been excited about this interview. Oh, yeah, me too. Well, you and I have something in common. We grew up in a teenage mission program called Act Teens. Tell me about your Act Teens experience. Well, I did the typical grow all the way up through GAs. And then the church we were involved in was very involved in missions and Girls in Action and then Acting. So I just naturally went on through the system and went all the way through service aid and got every single bit of regalia that came with the whole program. You're like an extra achiever. Well, you know, I set the standard really high. <laughs> <laughs> so what did Acting teach you? What did that mission program for teenage girls teach you? I think for me, the greatest thing about Actines is it helped me to see our world beyond myself, my city, my church. It opened my eyes to the fact that the majority of the world doesn't follow Jesus. They don't, many people don't even know who he is. And so to have seen more of a global perspective on the importance of Christianity, the importance of the gospel, the importance of going to the lost. That was very foundational in my call to missions and my desire to go where people had never heard the gospel before. Tell me about somebody who poured their life into yours. We had several Sunday school teachers and um, my act teens director. Those were very important, but I would say the most important person that poured their life into me was my grandmother. My grandmother came from a Christian family. I would say that she kind of was a notch above the rest in the family, and she really took faith seriously. When we were together, we talked about the things of Christ. We talked about the Bible. She made sure when my father was a young child that he was in church, that he was learning about Christ. My father went on to become a pastor, and so she saw him come to know the Lord, and then she saw me come to know the Lord. And so I would say of all the people who poured their life into mine, that she was probably a very, very important person in the journey. And during your teenage years, you had some pretty significant experiences. Tell me about some of those experiences. A very important experience was when I was in the seventh grade. It was actually the summer after my seventh grade year. It was the National Act Teens Convention, and it just happened to be here in Birmingham, Alabama. It was 1994, 
my year hit right at the ability to go twice. You know, most people only got the chance to go to NAC one time. I got to go twice. So once as a seventh grader, and I think that the following time was in Louisville, Kentucky, if I remember correctly, as a, was a junior or senior in high school. But this one particular one in seventh grade, I went just because it was the thing to do. That's what all the girls did. It was at that trip that God opened my eyes. It was, you know, if you've ever been to a knack, it... And I have. <laughs> sure you have. Uh, but for our listeners, you know, it, it was phenomenal. I mean, from my teenage memory, I just, I'm remembering flags and missionaries from all mm. over and... You have times throughout the week when the missionaries would have their booths set up and go around and talk to people and made missions very real and come to life to a person who had never been overseas, had never experienced that kind of life. And And you're with thousands of other teenage girls. Yes, yes. I mean, it was just, it was such an amazing experience for me. And it was during that trip that I first felt the Lord calling me into missions. It was, a, I want to say it was a Thursday night, and it was a commitment night, and we had just had a speaker. I couldn't tell you who it was, and, you know, it came time for that invitation, and I just felt the Lord like a weight of bricks on my heart, speaking to me, moving in me, and I had no idea what what was happening i mean i i was 12 years old you know how can you explain something like that and there was a girl in our teens group that was a senior in high school and she came and we had a little conversation and she said you know maybe god's calling you to be a missionary and when she said that it's like that weight that bag of bricks on my heart just lifted and it was like i knew that that's what god was calling me to do so I am then and there that day made a commitment to mission work, whatever that was, you know, whatever that would mean in the future. I made that commitment that day that began to shape what has now become my career that I would say that that was a pretty pivotal point. I I would think so. So you were you were in the seventh grade. Mm -hmm. Did you ever waver in that call? I would say that there were several times when I got confused in the call. And um, what I mean by that is I feel like maybe in our church culture, we we teach a little bit the idea that everyone is a missionary. And so for people who have gotten a very specific calling to be a missionary, and you've always felt like that means something different, and you start to wonder, well, maybe it's not a different calling. Maybe it's just what every Christian is called to do, to love their neighbor and mm-hmm you know, to live a life that is salt and light to our community. And when God gives you the ability, go overseas on a short-term mission trip Mm -hmm. that, you know, and so I was kind of enticed a little bit by thinking that maybe my missions call was just a general call that everyone sort of receives as a believer. As I explored that, particularly in college and after college, I began to know without a doubt that no, this calling is not just a general call to be a Great Commission Christian. It's a call to be set apart, to go somewhere else, to go cross-culturally, to go overseas, to go to someone who's never heard before and to to surrender my life to that. It's not just a, 
a switch that you switch on and off. It's a lifestyle. And so I would say that I, I really came to a point in my life where I had to make note of that, that that was unique and it was different. And it wasn't just some general call that every believer receives. And how did you get there? Through a lot of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I would say that without um, telling on myself too much, I was always that girl that was very interested in boys. And from very early on in life, I knew I wanted to have a boyfriend. I knew I wanted to get married young. My parents met in the fifth grade. And so I just knew that was going to be my story. And so I had a tendency of whoever I was interested in at that time to kind of figure out how I could be a Christian or to be a missionary and also be with that person however their mm -hmm. life was going. Yeah. You know, maybe they um, I had a dating relationship in college that they served in the military. And I thought, well, oh, you know, there's my call, there's my call. you yes, know, I military people go abroad. overseas all the time. Yes. So that that's it. I once dated someone that was very interested in um, orphanage ministry. And I thought, well, maybe that's maybe mm -hmm. that's it. And so it really took me getting serious about making God number one in my life to get to that point in my missions call, because I decided that I was not going to take my life in the direction of somebody else. I was going to follow God wherever He led. And I told, <laughs> I told God, isn't that funny whenever we tell God something? I told God one time, I was uh, probably about 22, 23 years old, and I told God, I don't want to be even interested in a man unless it was the person that God had for me. I was done with it. I was done with this chasing whatever. And it was five years from that conversation with God to when I met my husband. And it was a long five that, years. I'm thinking it's <laughs> like forever. It, I, I got the message. I said, okay, Lord, well, I guess this is your way of telling me that I'm going to go as a single woman. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready for that. By the time I got to that point, and so you started planning for that. I started planning for that. I had gotten in touch with the International Mission Board, uh -huh. told them that this was the direction I felt God was calling me. And I began the application. And I, at this point, I had started taking some seminary classes. And so I had gotten pretty much all the way through the process of you know, the application and everything when I met my husband. And he had started the process as a single man. And when we felt like God was calling us together, I had to get in touch with the IMB and said, okay, I've got to restart this process because I'm going to be getting married. And so it's kind of funny how sometimes the Lord does that when you completely surrender to him that he says, okay, now watch what I'm going to do. But how cool is it that yeah. God brought you together and he, I, I assume in his own track, in his own life, God is nurturing a call to the nations on his heart, laying yes. it on his heart, mm -hmm. and you find each other. Mm -hmm. Wow. And how long have you been married? We've been married 13 years. 13 years. And we should let the audience know you've got a house full of kids. I do. I do. Tell us about your family. Yeah, well, um, 
currently a mother of four, my fifth one on the way. Uh, we've joked that this one is going to be called Omega because she's she's the last one. <laughs> okay. Uh, we have four kids. They are eight, six, four, two, and due next month. So we, we try to keep them, you know, nice and yeah, spread, spread apart out. so evenly. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And you sure Omega's it? <laughs> Well, I guess the Lord can do whatever He wants to, but if, it, if it's up to us, yes. <laughs> wow. Five kids, five. four now, but mm -hmm. five mm -hmm. on the mission field. How did you get to the mission field? met my husband in seminary. I had, I should probably explain one a very important part of my calling, that when I was 15 years old, I was in the car with a girl from my youth group, and I believe we were either going or coming from some youth event. And on the floorboard of her car were these little cards. I want to say that they were a product of the International Mission Board, but I'm not really sure. But they were mission-centric cards. They were about the size of a baseball card. And they represented different people groups in the mm -hmm. world, different lost those. people groups. It would show yes. you a picture and give you some information. and. Uh, I picked them up and was flipping through, and I came to one, and I can't tell you anything about it, except for I saw the word Islam. And I remember thinking, I have no idea what that means. Now, this was pre-9-11. This mm -hmm. was pre-the world, you know, understanding what Islam is yes. and knowing about Muslims. And so I started researching, what is this religion, Islam? And God just grabbed my heart. For Muslim people and I just knew that God was calling me to serve them to, to serve among them to see them come to know Christ and so when I met my husband that was part of my call I knew I wanted to go overseas and I knew I wanted to serve somewhere where there were Muslims and my husband's call was very specifically for unreached people he wanted to go somewhere where people had never been given a chance mm -hmm. to hear and so as we were in a relationship and in seminary, we went to seminary in New Orleans, by the way, which is basically the American mission field. Mm -hmm, absolutely. <laughs> and while we were there, we just fell in love with the city. We knew we wanted to go somewhere at urban, somewhere um, mega city, if you will. So yeah. those were the three filters that took us to where we currently serve, which is a mega city. And actually, our city is about 20% Muslim. We very much wanted to have a family. In fact, that first term, we had three miscarriages, which were very difficult to be walking through, learning a language, getting adjusted to being on the field. You feel like you're finally doing exactly what God's called you to do. And this you're, is what happens. And this is what happens. So I wouldn't say we ever walked through a, a crisis of questioning if we were doing what God wanted us to do, but it definitely was a time of trial that really grew our faith in the Lord, faith in His timing, faith in His goodness. And so right before we came back stateside, after that very first term, I found out I was pregnant. We were also currently in the adoption process at that time. The Lord had led us to adopt. And so after that first term, we came back stateside. I had our first child. And about nine months later, we were flying to China 
to adopt our second child. And honestly, about 14 months after that, we had our third child. <laughs> so, so at that point, you've got three kids three under kids. three? Well, our adopted child was three when we adopted him. But okay. we had three kids under five, under two years, uh, under two, I should say. We went from zero to three children in less than two years. <laughs> that will stretch you a bit. Yes. It will. And it will show you the areas of your life that you still have not surrendered to the Lord. <laughs> yeah, you come face to face with things that you always thought you'd be really very good at, you start to realize that, okay, maybe you're not as good as what you <laughs> thought you would be. You know, always, I could not wait to be a mother because I just love children. Yes. I love playing. I love coming up with games. And uh, of course, God brought a, a child into my life that, well, he doesn't really like those kinds of things. He's He doesn't like to do arts and crafts and he'd much rather be outside getting dirty and, and playing sports. And that's just, that's not my thing. You know, yeah. I'm going to stay inside and do crafts and, <laughs> and you know, that come up with fun kind of games and things like that. But that's all right. The, the Lord has a way of taking us through times where we realize just how much we need him. Mm -hmm. And I would say that that's been almost a theme throughout our entire uh, 10 years on the field is just coming to those places in our life where we realize that without Him, we are nothing. and Without Him, we can do nothing. And that deep dependence, really, that, and I think that's what keeps you on the field, is walking through times and realizing, again, that foundational importance of abiding in Christ and mm -hmm. depending on Him. And as soon as you find yourself kind of running on your own is when you stop and that's usually when the burnout happens and what's been one of the most difficult things about being on the field either an experience or overall i think for me personally some very difficult times come around the fact that before we got on the field we didn't really know what we were doing you assume it's going to be natural to get overseas and to be good at and passionate about going and talking to people about Jesus and having those relationships with people that are so personal. You think, I mean, you plan for that. That's what you want so badly. And then you get on the field and you have this language barrier mm -hmm. and you have these things that cause so much cultural fatigue and irritation and you're working in a, a city that's so crowded and stinky and you know you're you're coming face to face with these things that you just don't like and you realize I'm not very good at this and maybe God hasn't called me and equipped me for this lifestyle because I really I get in these situations where I need to share my faith and I get scared you know I get frightened and some of the hardest times we've walked through are those moments when we've stopped and we've said, is this really what God has for us? Are we really good at this? And ultimately the answer is no, we're not good at this. We're not supposed to be good at this. Yeah. God is good at this. You have to depend on Him. Yes. And I guess in, in those times it'd be really important for both of you not to be down at the same time. <laughs> 
You know, I can only think of one time really when we were both very, very down. And I'll say that we were really close to coming off the field at that, mm-hmm. at that moment. So what sustained you? What sustained me personally was that foundation in my call. That knowing without a shadow of a doubt that God has called me to this. It's an anchor in my life. What else am I supposed to do? This is what he's called me for. This is what he's prepared me for. Time and time again, he's pointed me back to this call. How can I say no? It might get difficult. I might feel like, man, things just aren't going the way I thought they would. You know, the way... You read about in these books about these incredible missionaries, and this doesn't look like our ministry. Maybe this isn't for us, but no, God has called us here. And I can stand firmly on that call that he has placed in my heart. One of the emphasis in Southern Baptist life in the next five years in the Vision 2025 is putting hundreds of missionaries on the field. But it's also calling out the called. And you've talked quite a bit today about your call. What would you say to some young person today that that feels like God is calling them, but, but like you, wonders about that call? What would you say to them? Well, the first thing I would say is to get involved now. Don't wait. It, it doesn't become some all of a sudden natural thing when you step off that airplane. It needs to be a lifestyle. And so start now. You need to find out where. what is my field currently now in my life? What area has God called me to? You know, maybe it's your own family. Maybe it's the neighborhood where you are or the school that you attend or where you work. God has placed you in a field. And so let's work that field like farmers. Let's, let's be faithful to uh, sow the seed of the gospel. And I think through doing that, regardless of if you're overseas or not, through doing that, God will continue, if he has called you, continue to tell you, yes, this is what I've called you to do. This is what I will equip you to do. And of course, I would also say another thing is just the importance of abiding in Christ, spending time with him daily. I think we think that's a, a given as Christians, but I think most of us would, would say it's something we have to work on. It's never something we get to and we're satisfied. Okay, finally, I, I'm abiding enough. No, keep pushing it, keep growing, keep reading, keep praying. Our God is not a God of darkness. He's a God of light. He doesn't want us wandering around in the darkness, wondering what has he called me to do? Where, where is he sending me? No, he wants to be the lamp into our feet. And so when we spend time with him, he reveals that to us. He is that light in our life. So if there is darkness and confusion concerning a call that God has placed in your life, spend time with him. He will reveal it to you. He is the God of light. What do you want for your people group? Absolutely everyone to be given a chance to hear about Jesus and to accept him. Because in our city, it's 98 plus percent lost. Majority of those having never even heard of the gospel, they might have heard the name Jesus, but they couldn't tell you anything about him. And so, you know, I think about 
here in our country and, and other places of the world that are a little bit more reached and, and it's, it's a privilege to reject the gospel. But there are people in our city who haven't even heard it mm-hmm. yet for the first time. Some of them will be born, they'll live their entire life, they'll die having never heard. And that doesn't sit well with me. No. That's my desire is that everyone in our city will get an opportunity to accept the gospel for themselves. As we close out this podcast, what would you say to Christians living here in North America? I would ask, when was the last time you really prayed for the people out there who have not been given a chance to hear? When was the last time we let that break our heart? That there are billions of people who do not have a relationship with Christ, who have not been reconciled to their Creator, the one who loves them, the one who sent His Son to die for them. Let's spend more time in prayer for these people because prayer is what's going to change things. Well, we need to make prayer a priority. Wendy, I can't thank you enough for spending a few minutes with me. This has been delightful to be in your in your home and just talk with you about how God laid a call on your heart and and all these years later is still renewing that call day by day. He is a faithful God. He is. (laughs) Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be a part of this. Thank you for listening to this episode of On the Journey Conversations. You heard how Wendy's life was influenced by missions discipleship as a teenager. Who can you pour your life into? Visit WMU.com and check out Missions Journey Students. Involve your teenagers in ongoing missions discipleship and empower them to discover their role as disciples of Jesus who live on mission. Through each unit of Missions Journey Students, teens will meet missions personnel like Wendy serving all around the world. They will also be encouraged to grow in discipleship and become active agents of gospel change in their own communities. That's what happened to me. And I will forever be grateful to Ruth King, who invested in me during my teenage years. See you next time.